0: How you doing? It's Thursday. This is Facebook Live. I'm in a a, a mood today. On my radio program from 1 o'clock until 3 o'clock here on KSL News Radio, I I told producer Amy to be ready for some ranting and raving. A number of issues have caught my attention over the past 24 hours since you and I got together here on this Facebook Live to chat about the things of the day. And uh, let's jump right into it. Let me first ask you this question. Do you care where your congressman sleeps? And that's a silly question, uh, but think about it for a second. Do you care at all where your congressman sleeps? Have you, you probably don't even think about it. It's not a, a question that chiefs anyone up at night. Well, that might not be the case. There is a representative from California, a woman named Jackie Speer. Democrat from California. Now, if I have time later, I'm going to tell you Representative Spears' backstory. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, in fact, her, uh, her boss when she was young was a congressman named Leo Ryan. And if you are a student of congressional history, you know that Leo Ryan is the one and only member of Congress to have ever been uh, assassinated while in office. His story uh, takes place down in Jonestown. Anyway, I, I won't dwell on that. Maybe later on in this Facebook Live we can talk about it. But why does Representative Jackie Speer have my attention this morning? Well, it's because she, she would like a, a certain practice which takes place in the halls of Congress to come to an end. What is that practice? Well, members of Congress live interesting lives. They have a home in their district. You the know, states are broken up into districts, and that's where the congressman lives, except for when they are in Washington, D.C., when the House is in session, and when voting is taking place, and when they need to be there in D.C. to attend to the people's business. And when they are there, for the most part, for the most part, they are living in either homes that they own in the Washington, D.C. area or apartments that they rent or condos that they own, anyway, in their own place. But there are a handful, a handful, a sizable handful, who have, for whatever reason, decided not to sleep in an apartment or a home or anything, but rather with a cot or a pull-out couch or something like that, sleep in their office. Each member of Congress uh, is given an office suite. The, the, the congressmen themselves have a, a, big, a big office, and then the staff has uh, some smaller space with which to operate. And these th- this smaller handful of congressmen who have decided, and hey, women, who have decided to sleep in their office, uh, they do so in this suite. And then in the morning, uh, maybe they'll shower in the congressional gym or locker room. Uh, maybe they'll work out there in the gym. And the day goes on. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? You've worked likely in an office before. Can you uh, imagine what it might be like to start the day uh, and you you unlock the door, you walk into the office, and there's the boss (laughs) uh, traipsing across his office in his pajamas? Well, that that doesn't happen. Although, those are the claims of Representative Jackie Spear, who would as she does periodically, uh, makes a big stink about these lawmakers sleeping in their office. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my experience. I have been a congressional staffer. I have worked in these very offices Uh, for for a number of years. I lived just outside of Washington, D.C., and I worked on Capitol Hill in the office of Rob Bishop, who now is running for uh, lieutenant governor of the state alongside Thomas Wright. Well, uh, during my time, when I first got to Washington, D.C., Jason Chaffetz was still a member of Congress. That was before he quit to go work for Fox News. And if you remember, very famously, Jason Chaffetz, when he first took office, he made a big deal about how he was going to be one of these lawmakers to, uh, you know, cut down on his own personal expenses and maximize his time in the office. Make sure that he was working hard uh, and doing so uh, as efficiently as possible. And so uh, there was a news crew here in Salt Lake City which followed him around. Uh, I think they went to Smith's, uh, one of the Smiths like superstores, the bigger ones, and uh, Jason Chaffetz bought a cot. On his way to the airport, and he gets to the airport, he boards the plane, he deplanes at Reagan International. It's the, uh, the airport just outside of Washington, D.C., and he makes his way to his office where he uh, is met by another film crew, which uh, captures him setting this cot up, and that's where he slept. And he would periodically, you know, send pictures on the social media and such like that of his sleeping accommodations. And let me tell you what, I know just about all the staffers who worked for Jason Chaffetz during that era. And when he was engaging in this practice that this Jackie Speier would like to see come to an end, there was no problem. There was nothing awkward. There was nothing inappropriate. There was nothing that took away from uh, the, the dignity of the office or anything like that, it is a perfectly acceptable and practical response to circumstance. And Miss Spear here, I don't know what it is about her. I don't know why she has these problems every few years or so where she rears her head back and says, uh, we ought to put this to uh, an end because it's just fine. Now, I'm going to say something here that... uh, <laughs> The members of Congress aren't gonna get a lot of sympathy when I talk about the money that they make because the truth is they make uh, much more than the rest of us on average. I think right now congressional salary is something about 174 some odd thousand dollars. That's pretty good, that's really good. That's most more than most Americans are bringing home each year. And so this is you know, for that reason. You probably aren't going to feel too sympathetic towards these congressmen, but let me tell you what. Uh, I, I lived in DC for about five years, and it truly is, in terms of the real estate market, one of the most expensive places in our country to live. Rent is high, uh, mortgages are high, the cost of homes is through the roof. It, it is remarkable for a tiny little sliver of land or a tiny little condo wedged in between other condos uh you are sometimes uh paying millions of dollars millions of dollars now i wasn't in a million dollar place uh but you know my, my finances were stretched and it was a difficult task to accomplish to uh you know be able to pay for and afford uh, uh adequate housing for uh myself my beautiful wife and ultimately my uh pretty young baby girl Piper and so why do I say that? I say it because these members of Congress, with that 174000 thereabouts, have to maintain two households, essentially. They have to be able to pay the rent or the mortgage on the home in the district. And then if Ms. Spear would have her way... They would then need to somehow foot the bill for a second residence in Washington dC, one of the most expensive housing markets on the planet. And for many, those who have additional expenses, like maybe some uh, student debt they're still working on, many members of Congress are, are relatively young. Maybe they have children of their own and they're helping them get through Congress or through through college. Who knows? The car payments, you get the, the expenses of life. And one of the ways that these members of Congress, some of them, the ones who choose to sleep in their offices, have uh, figured a way to get around that. Uh, they sleep in their offices. And I don't have any problem with that. I think it's a fine practice. Uh, you, during the Me Too movement, you heard, uh, this Jackie Spear and others talk about how it could potentially lead to this or that inappropriate, this or that. Well, there have been no allegations of that. Uh, there have no, been no, uh, instances of that. There have certainly been no findings, excuse me, of inappropriate behavior, uh, stemming from the practice of members of Congress sleeping in their office. So I hope it continues. I hope those who need to exercise this option as a way to alleviate some of the financial burdens they may be feeling, uh, I hope they keep it up. And if I'm honest, it's none of our business. Uh, What they do with their office, which we have elected them to run as they see fit, uh, is their business. And if they are comfortable, if their staff is comfortable uh, and nothing untoward or inappropriate is happening, uh, God bless them. I hope they get a good night's sleep. Uh, what do you think? Can I, I'd i love to know uh, what you think. We're going to talk about this on my uh, radio program today. Uh, live, Mike. Uh, again, I'm on the air from uh, 1 o'clock until 3 o'clock weekdays. Uh, 102.7 FM 1160 AM here in Utah. And if you are outside of Utah, you can get me via the KSL News Radio app. You download that on either your Android or your iPhone. Or by any hour services. And lastly, KSLnewsRadio.com. You can stream my program and all the great shows here on this radio station there on that app. I'd be uh, honored if you do so. We're going to cover a lot of cool ground. All right, now, new topic Joe Biden. Remember him? Yeah, he's ready for president. He is likely going to be the Democrats' uh, nominee to compete against Donald Trump for the office of president of the United States. He used to be vice president, if you don't remember. Now, why uh, has Joe Biden gotten my attention today? Well, because after yesterday's show, I caught wind of some comments he made, a little bit of a policy shift on his part, a shift to the left. Now, you might wonder how, how can Joe Biden go even further to the left? Well, think about those he was running against. There are these progressive folks that are the uh, some of the leftmost folks. For example, we heard just the other day from uh, Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders, who have teamed up along with a number of other senators to hand out money. There was a $1,200 in an earlier stimulus package. There is a proposal by uh, by Speaker Nancy Pelosi, which was revealed just the day before last, saying she would like to hand out another $1,200. And in this like progressive liberal game of one-upsmanship, Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders got involved and said, "Hey, uh, I'll do you one better. Twelve hundred ain't enough. It ought to be two grand. We ought to give it to every American sixteen and older, and we ought to do it for a while to come. We ought to do it every month until this coronavirus is behind us, and then, and then, we should continue it for another few months. That's two grand a month." To every American 16 or older, every qualifying American over the age of 16, if Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders had their way, would be on the receiving end of 2000 taxpayer dollars every month until this was over, and then for an extra three months for good measure. Well, not to be outdone, Joe Biden has raised his hand and put forth an idea of his own. and It has to do with housing. He wants to pay your rent. He wants to pay your mortgage. He's involved himself now in a conversation which is playing out at the various states. In fact, here in Utah, uh, we may today in about 45 minutes hear from Governor Herbert with an update on that front. He put in place a moratorium on evictions. So if you get behind or for whatever reason you are not able to pay your rent or whatever uh, disagreement may arise between a tenant and a landlord, uh, there's been a moratorium put in place on evictions. So regardless of what the uh, disagreement is, you can't get kicked out of your house. Well, that moratorium ends on Friday, tomorrow. And if you follow this storyline around the country, you'll see that the various governors, many of them, have extended their own moratoriums on evictions. I think in New York State, Uh, Governor Cuomo has pushed it all the way uh, to the end of the month of August. And there are other states uh, that are doing similar things. Uh, And Governor Gary Herbert, if I'm I'm guessing, and uh, I'm, of course, in the business of speculating, that's what they paid me for. I I bet you that either today or tomorrow uh, an announcement is made by him where where an extension will be granted uh, on this moratorium. I don't believe that he's going to sit by and let folks get kicked out of their houses. Now, what does that mean? How does that work? It does not, it does not free either the landlord or the mortgage holder uh, from the obligations into which they have entered. You still got to pay, you still owe the rent, you still owe the mortgage payment, but in the uh, case of the mortgage, many of the lenders are just moving, uh, say, May's payment to the end of, of the mortgage, you know, so now it's like Fifteen years plus a month, fifteen years plus two months, three months, whatever agreement uh, you enter into with your lender, and then the 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 owners, the landlords uh, are, you know, they just can't kick folks out, and they are working out whatever deal they are able to with their tenants. But the tenant still uh, retains the obligation. Joe Biden, candidate for president, would like to change that. He would like the federal government to step in and provide. Money, so that instead of postponing these obligations, they're forgiven, forgiven on the back uh, of federal uh, tax money. Now trace that money backwards; it came from you and me. Okay, so we're going to pay uh, the rents and the mortgages for the folks who aren't able to to pay that. Now, you still got to pay yours. You still got to pay if you can do it. You better pay it. But the other folks can't quite figure it out. Who can't quite figure out what you've been able to figure out. who haven't uh, quite maintained the c- circumstances uh, that you've been able to maintain. <clears throat> Joe Biden has his way. They won't have to shoulder that burden themselves. Where does this come from? Uh, Joe Biden granted an interview, uh, which has been published in its entirety in Vanity Fair. Yeah, he, He's running his campaign from his basement that's not an exaggeration, Uh, while enduring this coronavirus shelter-in-place guidance, social distancing and all that, uh, he has moved to an an all-online campaign, which is difficult, uh, especially for folks uh, like him with less experience with the Internet. Uh, And he's trying to do what he can, he says, and he's granting interviews here and there. And he was asked in this interview, excuse me, he was asked in this interview uh, published in Vanity Fair, and I'll post a link to this on my Facebook page. You can check that out. Uh, he's asked uh, by the interview. The interviewer says, I interviewed the mayor of Seattle a couple of weeks ago, Jenny Durkin. She's a supporter of yours. I asked her about rent relief, and she said, basically, the federal government should be in charge of helping people who have lost their jobs, make their rent payments, make their mortgage payments. It is it possible to do some kind of federal rent bailout? So there's the question put to presidential candidate Joe Biden. He says, in response to the question, is it possible to do some kind of federal rent bailout? Joe Biden said this. Absolutely. There is. And we should. We should. And we should also deal with housing overall. For example, we are in a position now where we have first time homebuyers. When they get through this, you know, I provide a $15,000 tax credit for first-time home buyers. They don't have enough money to be able to get the down payment to get started. Nobody should be paying more than 30% of their income for rent. There should be rent forgiveness, and there should be mortgage forgiveness now in the middle of this crisis. Forgiveness, not paid later, forgiveness. It's incredibly and and critically important to people who are in the lower income strata. That's the position held by Joe Biden. He is then pressed on the issue of governors who you know may or may not have the authority to bring something like this about. Uh, he's asked why. Well, governors aren't doing that. Uh, Joe Biden responds, no, governors can't do that because they have to balance their budget. That'd be nice if the federal government had to do that. Look here, that's not; those aren't Joe Biden's words. He, he's not interested in uh, compelling the federal government to balance its budget. He points out the he points out and highlights the reality that many governors around the state have to balance their budget as a negative, or as a detriment, or a hindrance to progress. He hasn't been to Utah lately. He says, "Look here, I know." you know this because you've written about it. I apologize. I don't mean to sound instructive, but you know that the biggest things that happened in the Recovery Act was we were able to bail the states out of the loss of tens of thousands of school teachers' jobs, tens of thousands of police jobs, tens of thousands of firefighters. Why? Because they have to balance their budget. Here, there it is again. Take note of that. You want to hear this type of stuff uh, when, when people say it. Joe Biden right here is talking about the requirement, oftentimes the constitutional requirement in many states, that the governors balance their budget, or at least the state legislatures, or all those involved in the process balance the budget. He now, for the second time in his response to this question in this Vanity Fair interview, has pointed to the need to balance a budget as a hindrance, as a detriment, and as an obstacle needing to be overcome. And, well, when you and I need help, who is best positioned to help us out, according to Joe Biden's federal government. He says, so when all this hits and all this, all this shutting down, tax revenues are cratering, et cetera, they don't have the wherewithal, they, the states, they don't have the wherewithal just to keep teachers on a payroll. They don't have the wherewithal to keep up the level of police force or their firefighters or the first responders. That's the responsibility of the federal government, he said. This is, the president said, this is like a war. He's the commander-in-chief. Well, he should act like a commander-in-chief. I talked about one of the reasons I was running was to restore the soul of America. Okay, Joe Biden's running to restore the soul of America, he says. Look at all those people out there bursting their rear ends, risking their lives, some losing their lives, all to help other people, just doing things that are incredible. Incredible. This country is incredible. There's nothing that we can't do if we do it together, and it's time the president get in the game and start to help. All right, so uh, there's some generic uh, bashing of President Trump there at the end. Uh Just to clarify and correct his use of the term commander-in-chief, Com- commander-in-chief, the title of commander-in-chief used to refer to the president applies only to his relationship with the military. You got that? He's not, you know, unless you're an active duty member of the military, uh he's not Yours or my commander-in-chief. He is commander-in-chief of the military. So be careful uh, when you hear that term. If it's not used in specific reference to uh, the position the president holds uh, relating to the military, uh, know that someone's just kind of playing word games with you there. And that seems uh, like uh, what Joe Biden's doing here in this interview. Anyway, uh, what do you think about that? Should the federal government be paying your rent? I know it would make things easier. Listen, I know, believe me, someone wants to pick up a tab on my rent, fine. That'd be great. Uh, There are a few things I'd like to get. Uh, And, you know, rent obligations and all that make it a little difficult. Someone wants to pay my rent, that's fine. I'm not gonna complain. What do you think? you think the federal government should be in the business right now? Are the circumstances so dire that Joe Biden's progressive attitude here, which is brand new, Which is new? We haven't heard this type of talk out of Joe Biden before. It's almost as if he had to do so. It's almost as if he were feeling the squeeze in the polls, or feeling as though all this FaceTime President Trump has been getting with the media and with America, he needs to do something to get some attention. Well, look, he got uh, attention here on this little Facebook Live. I'm going to talk about it some more on my radio program today, and to help me do that, uh, please share with me uh, your thoughts. I'd like to know. Uh, What you think about this proposal by Joe Biden, which is uh, not a deferment of payments of rent or mortgage, but rather forgiveness. Not paid later, forgiven. That's a new tone out of Joe Biden. Interesting stuff. Uh, One last topic we're going to cover on today's program has to do with video games. Did you grow up playing video games? I did not. I was not allowed. My dad said, my mom said that it would rot my brain. And if I played video games, I'd turn into a person with no job. I'd be living in the basement. I'd grow like a neck beard or something. You know, I'd have no friends. I'd never be married. I'd just sit there all day playing with race cars and the army men and all the whatever games, basketball, surfing, skateboarding. And so I didn't grow up with video games. And when I grew up a little bit and I had my own job and I had my own home, I didn't buy any of those video game consoles like some of my friends were. Uh, I've never gotten into the online stuff. I, uh, I, you know, I, I've played a few times. I, I'm familiar with what video games are. And I see the attraction. And in fact, I have seen many of my friends today in the midst of this coronavirus stuff, as we find ourselves socially distancing ourselves and uh, maybe not socializing like we used to, we're not going out to meet up with friends at a restaurant or bar or uh, play some basketball or, or whatever you do to hang out with your friends. What's happening pretty regularly and pretty commonly among my friends even is that they're getting together with their friends all around the country via these online connections facilitated by the video game. Uh, they're squadding up. You've got like guilds or whatever. And they're playing these video games. And you can chat through there. And I mean, you can probably know about video games uh, much more so than I. Uh, but I have lived a life, and I have had carried with me a mentality forever that uh, video games will rot your brain, turn you into a loser, and you'll end up living in your pa- parents' basement. Well, BYU, Brigham Young University, some researchers there decided to put that question to the test. And so they engaged in the longest and most thorough study on this question that's ever been executed. Over six years, they studied hundreds of gamers, some adolescents and those moving into adulthood. They touched base with those gamers periodically, asked them about their uh, productivity, their emotions, their social relationships, uh, their outlook on life, their depression levels. Such like that. And you know what they found? Much to my chagrin as a guy who was prevented from playing video games all growing up is that, for the most part, about 90% of folks are able to play video games with zero detriment, with zero harm to their development. Yeah, 90%. Turns out the stereotypes aren't exactly... And you probably already know this. If you're a video game person yourself, uh, you can either look in the mirror or look to your friends and say, uh, yeah, Lee, I, uh, obviously, look at me. I got, I got a job. Uh, I've got a beautiful family. I got everything going for me. And I like to play a little bit of Call of Duty. No harm no foul. Well, now science is on your side. Some science coming out of Brigham Young University. We're going to speak with the lead researcher on this uh, program, a professor uh, named Sarah Coyne. She's a professor with uh, family life at Brigham Young University lead author of this research. It's fascinating stuff, and me as an ignorant person uh will will benefit much from this as stereotypes are are broken down here and uh, I get a better idea of the real impact uh, of these video games now I, I said ninety percent all right that does leave ten percent of the folks who participated in the story that did that 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 did. Have some detriment. Things did not go. Uh, <laughs> things did not go as well for them uh, as they went for other folks. Ten uh, percent uh, did have uh, some social difficulties. Had some like failure to launch type difficulties. Uh, they had some anxiety moving into adulthood. Uh, interestingly, uh, depression, aggression, shyness. That all developed uh, in 10% of these folks. Uh, So so before uh, I explain stuff for for which I am not qualified to explain any further, uh, let me sign off. But tune into today's radio program from 1 o'clock until 3 o'clock. We're going to be talking about congressmen sleeping on cots in their office. We're going to be talking about Joe Biden offering to pay your rent and your mortgage to forgive that. Uh, We're going to talk about video games and a study out of Brigham Young University, which shows that most folks are able to uh, go from adolescence to adulthood while playing video games without any problem at all. And we're also going to talk about uh, the seniors here in the state of Utah. We here at KSL have been honoring seniors uh, pretty aggressively. It breaks my heart as someone who very much enjoyed senior year of high school, even though I wasn't playing video games. uh, I very much enjoyed. Uh, my senior year of high school, uh, made some memories there, which I will carry with me for my entire life. Uh, Things like uh, the prom and graduation, senior trips, all those late nights hanging out with my friends, playing sports and such like that. Well, uh, we know all too well that here in Utah and around the world, seniors this year uh, have had all those uh, plans taken from them. There won't be uh, proms like you and I had. There won't be graduations walking across the stage like you and I enjoyed. And uh, those late nights uh, at the 24-hour diner uh, will not be enjoyed this year uh, in the same way that you and I were able to enjoy them. It breaks my heart Uh, I want to let these kids know that I'm thinking about them, that I'm proud of them, and I wish them the very best. And so uh, on the program today, we're going to be speaking to uh, one such senior, uh, Faith Smart. She's graduating from Sky Ridge High School. Uh, She has uh, accomplished much. She is a a wonderful example of exactly how to navigate these new and uncertain waters. We're going to talk to her, uh, learn some lessons from her, get some advice from her, and congratulate her on all of her successes. That's coming up on the program today. Plus, much, much more. I'm going to sign off. Thank you for tuning in tomorrow, 10 o'clock. You and me right here on Facebook Live. And then at 1 o'clock, it's live mic with me, Lee Lonsberry, on KSL News Radio or KSLNewsRadio.com. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.